You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. On today's episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam, I am chatting with New York Theatre Barn's Artistic Director, Joe Barrows, and Associate Artistic Director, Jen Sandler. For those who don't know, New York Theatre Barn is a nonprofit theatre company that serves as a home for original culture-shifting musicals during incubation. When we come back, we'll be talking with Joe and Jen about what they hope their legacy is with New York Theatre Barn, lessons learned, and so much more. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Joe Barrows and Jen Sandler. Hi, Joe. Hi, Jen. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having us. Hello. Hello. You're welcome. Thank you both for joining me today. Um, we have lots to talk about, so I think we should just dive right in. Uh, so let's start with your the legacy conversation. Um, so X amount of years from now, when someone mentions you or New York Theater Barn, what do you hope people say? We hope that they still remember that we are a home for um, musicals uh, in development, uh, original culture shifting musicals um, in development, um, that we were uh, lifting up the voices of marginalized storytellers uh, when nobody was, and then suddenly everybody was. Uh, we, we also want people to remember that um, we really thought outside of the box in a time when theater seemed uh, literally impossible for everybody. And we reconceived development, um, evolving our programs and also creating new ones. Um, our digital hybrid fund uh, for new musicals uh, sees projects at the intersection of theater and film, you know, mm -hmm. saluting the pandemic, seeing it as limitation is creation, but also this concept of Theater Barn Records, which is our new imprint of Broadway records uh, dedicated to new musicals and development and sees the developmental process for writers as um, lucrative, both artistically and financially, because they get to share their work with a global audience while they are building their story. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, I think I hope people remember that when so much of the arts was shut down, we didn't take that as a stopping point. And the arts are essential. So many people feel the arts are the last business that comes back when this is all over, but we've been essential from day one and we're gonna keep being essential. Every day of this pandemic, people survived by reading books, by watching Netflix, by listening to theater. The arts are so important. We cannot have art unless we foster artists now. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I love the new record imprint. program that you yeah, imprint that you just started. Um, because one of the one of the records on there, I actually got to do an interview with Morgan Smith for Willow, um, and uh, it's great that you have this new imprint for up and coming shows and uh, and artists, and I, I love that. It's such a great way also to expand the New York Theater Barn brand as well. Totally, we are super excited um, about Willow. Um, in fact. Willow has had millions of millions of streams since it was released on September uh, 25th, I believe. And uh, it debuted at number seven on the Billboard cast album charts. And the 
Averno Universe is a phenomenon. In fact, the Averno yes. team is going to be releasing another album. And um, I'll let Jen tell you about some of our, the other projects that we're, that we're working on through Theaterborn Records. Yeah, I mean, just to talk about Willow more, the idea that this started on a TikTok account is still wild to me. I feel like the Gen Z craze just kind of took over what TikTok was. And this album did as well as it did because of that TikTok talk. It's crazy. But we have that. We have we have the Willow universe, the Averno universe. Um, we're talking about the idea of doing a project where it's kind of and uh, now that's what you call music for theater, where it's all upcoming writers and songs from new musicals. And, you know, you have a different song from one show and kind of making it like this is what's important. These are the artists you need to know. We're talking about that. Like um, a compilation album? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh, a compilation uh-huh. album. Now that's what you call music for Broadway, new musicals. We're talking about that. We're working with a really great writer named Jamie Jarrett, who wrote a musical called Wonder Boy that's um, about a trans superhero and it's about being trans and what it means. It is not just that they're a superhero, it's about who they are as a person. So we're working on that. We're working on another show called Sueños that we're hoping to record tracks for for Theater Barn Records as well. And that's about um, a Latinx family on the West Coast. So I, I think all of the projects we work on, they have the theme about that, you know, we're not all the same, we're all different and we all have something to give the community to make us important. Yes. We also have a show that we developed and produced off-Broadway with Prospect Theatre Company, uh, an all-women all cast uh, called The Bell of Tombstone, formerly known as I Married Wyatt Earp, about the Jewish wife of Wyatt Earp and the women of the American West. Yes. And also, Jen mentioned Jamie Jarrett's Wonder Boy. We just received a NAMPT Writers Residency grant um, to continue developing orchestrations for that uh, so that we can record a four-track EP. And like Jen said, it's about a transgender superhero. Uh, and our goal with the show is that young trans individuals will be able to see themselves up on the stage under the bright lights, living extraordinary superhero lives in the show. And we think that it's important. That's wonderful. I love all the stories that you're telling and presenting and giving audiences an opportunity to see and to see themselves reflected in the work. And I do want to just mention, um, uh, with, um, oh my, I was about to say I married Wyatt Earp, but the, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, the Bells of Tombstone, uh, I know Michelle Browerman wrote the music for that and she, I, I absolutely adore her and, um, she's, uh, one of my favorite people that I've interviewed. We've done several interviews together and we've done, we did an interview about that when it, um, it was in Connecticut. Was it? last year or the year or 2018 the the hearts you're you're correct it was 2018 and the heart school did it for the second time um actually it might have been 2019 they did it for the second time and uh right yes right yeah and in fact i saw the show when i was a student there in 2003 and that's why the show came to new york because i saw it and like you said michelle browerman wrote the score sheila ray wrote lyrics and co-book and tom west wrote the book and um sort of part of our history is that show because Sheila Ray, co-writer with Michelle Browerman on the score, uh, became our board president for years. In fact, she's just now stepped down to be the board president emeritus because someone else has decided they want to do the difficult job that she had. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting. And it's such a small world. I love, I love how everybody's connected. Um, What is, uh, what are some shows or programs in addition to your new record imprint um, 
through New York Theatre Barn that you are both most proud of to have in your legacy? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing of this entire pandemic, I mean, the new work series has always been a really big part of our programming. And before this pandemic, it was two shows. Each show got about 35 minutes of time to present material. And that was it. And that was kind of always how we had done things with the new work series. And then when this pandemic happened, and we realized we had to bring our programming online, we took our format and turns it into two songs from a show and also a conversation with the writers. And I think we're really proud of how that program evolved during this pandemic. And, you know, I, I say to Joe all the time, why did we not talk to writers until a global pandemic? Why did it take them to need to hear what they have to say? And we've already pledged that when we bring our series back in person, we must talk to mm-hmm. writers. We must continue that. It's important to hear about the story and how the story happened. So that we're really proud of. Also our choreography lab, which is now in its seventh season, that's something that's evolved so crazily during this pandemic. We had a virtual hybrid lab in October at Broadway Dance Center, and we collaborated with um, the, what's the name of the company, Joe? I'm having a brain fart. Full Out Creative at Broadway Dance Center. Yes. Um, And we took two shows that had never been on their feet before, and we got two choreographers, and they each had a mentor who was a part of the Broadway community, and they created a number from the show and we simulcast it with a professional team to our channel. And it was just, we've never done that before. And I'll let Joe talk more about that. That was just something, it was, it was was a historic night for our company. Yeah, it was historic. And like Jen said about the, both the lab and the Newark series, you know, we just found ways to evolve them so that they actually weren't losing anything. They actually gained more. We created this mentorship program where Tuan Malinowski and Kristen Yancey were mentored by Joshua Burgos and Maria Torres, leading director choreographers in our industry, um, working collaboratively with these writers on these rich, rich, untold culture shifting stories that we've been so, so connected to. And because of it, we reached a global audience. Normally our lab, we only have, we only have about 40 people in a, um, in a room at Pearl Studios. It's a very Mm -hmm. intimate, uh, delicate process, and it's still got to be that way, serving the stories and uh, giving the artists all a platform to perform in a dark dark time. But uh, we had a global audience, thousands of people tuned in live, and that number keeps growing because of the recorded footage. And also, we got to shoot the footage of both numbers on their feet for the first time from the front proscenium and then with moving cameras to show how the storytelling would be affected from perspectives that were, were digital. Um, we should also note that evolving our programs and what we do during the pandemic, it, we're not just in a, we want to recognize that we're not just in a, a, a pandemic of germs. We're in a pandemic of racism, a systemic racism. And it's, it's almost worse than this other pandemic because I think it's all interconnected. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's also inevitably political. So we um, partially uh, from a suggestion that Jen had, we decided to donate. Um, we were doing our new work series every week and we decided to donate half of our weekly donations that we would get out of the kindness of people's hearts to charities that uh, were supporting black lives and civil rights and uh, systemic racism and having conversations about why voting during this time was so important. So that was something that, you know, seems scary to say we were going to commit so much money each, each week when we weren't getting any money, but we learned a lot from it. 
Um, and I think we were able, we were able to give a lot of money away and, um, it still feels really great. Yeah. And I think our board, you know, in the fall, we're like, you know, we love that you did this, but it's, you know, monetarily, it's something we can't keep doing. And I said, that's great, but we want to keep being a platform, not just for artists, but for the community right now and everything we're doing. So, you know, I said, can we talk about voting now? Can we talk about anti-racism? And like, I would make an announcement every week at the end of the series to election day saying we have to vote, we have to go blue again. And I did it again after election day because of Georgia. And I just think we're in a time, like Joe said, where it's a pandemic, it's a virus, but also it's a virus where we need to be better people as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, was there any kind of reform that that you felt New York Theater Barn had to do? And if so, what what kind of reform have you done? That's a that's a good question. We um we've always felt that our stories and the people on our teams uh, and the people on our team specifically supported the work that we were doing, but it only made us work harder. It only made us question everything because it has always been important and it was more important than, than ever. So I would say as a result of it, um, yes, members of our team did go to multiple anti-racism trainings. Um some of us learned more from others from those. Uh, some of us made a lot of connections. In fact, Jen met Jamie Jarrett, who wrote Wonder Boy at um, Musical Theater Factory's anti-racism training, one of our dear, dear sister friends. So I was like, oh, you're a writer? Send me your stuff. Maybe you'll be good. And look what happened. Wow. We, we have we have three new board members uh, because of this this process. We have four. We have four. four you're, you're correct. We have four. And I, I, I we have at least eight new advisory board members, potentially more. And we uh, started um, back in June when this all started. We started a committee that was a diversity committee that just increased diversity in our company. And it became a strategic planning committee. And all different things came out of that, all different kind of committees. You know, it's a time where we've always been proud of what our company does. And it only got stronger because of the steps we took. And we almost surpassed our year-end campaign uh, by 20%. And honestly, we've never actually had a year-end campaign, like a real big boy year-end campaign. Mm -hmm. That's great. Because, because we've never had the people power to make it possible. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't understand that raising money and letting people know what you're doing is a lot of work while you're doing it. Yes, yes. I, I think one thing that has definitely helped a lot of um, nonprofit theaters and off-Broadway theaters during the pandemic is, like you mentioned earlier, that global um, awareness that you're now really able to bring to to the world. Whereas before, you, like you mentioned, you know, you could only get maybe 40 people into that space, but now you literally can get everybody all over the world to know about New York Theater Barn and what you're doing, and that can only benefit the, the company even more. Of course, and I hope... You know, obviously nothing will ever, ever replace live theater, but I hope a lot of organizations will go back live again, but they'll also incorporate the live world and, you know, simulcast live and have, you know, pay for people to watch from other places and kind of make it a truly global experience when people can't be there. Yes. It's a great way to, to bring everyone together and unify the nation with through all of this uh, streaming, streaming live theater and productions and all the different um, conversation pieces that, that are being recorded. I mean, it's 
it's just fantastic. Before we go further with this wonderful conversation, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue talking about New York Theatre Barn's legacy, and then we'll move into rapid-fire questions. So don't go anywhere. We have much more with Joe Barrows and Jen Sandler. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For the fourth year in a row, Don is partnering with iHeartRadio for Can't Cancel Pride, a campaign that has raised over $11 million for the LGBTQ community. Don continuously strives to celebrate visibility and inclusivity for all, and that means supporting amazing organizations like Centerlink, providing safe spaces where over 52,000 community members go each week to receive critical and life-saving services. Don is there for your home, or your home away from home. So visit Can'tCancelPride.com to learn more. Hey everyone, my name is Joe Barros, and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. How do you feel you expanded New York Theatre Barn's artistic legacy since you both have been part of it? I mean, like Joe, since you, you know, you've you been there for over a decade, and Jen, you've just been there for a little, you said over a year. A year, year and a half now. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been a part of uh, the light that's keeping it going, and while I grow... Um, you know, because I've literally grown up uh, in, inside the company from my 20s to my late 30s. And um, I've just seen it grow and evolve, mainly through passion and through uh, a community building project that is about bringing artists together. I think during this time, especially like my mother made a joke to me the other week. She's like, do you know every musical theater writer in the city? And I was like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> I don't, but I know a lot. And I think you know, we always every week on our series say how many artists we've worked with since the pandemic started. And I always am like, I can't believe this number. And like, I really can't like we've worked with since the pandemic started now, just over 110 writers, we've been able to work on 70 new musicals, and over 300 artists. And I think that's the thing I'll be most proud of for this pandemic, for sure. And Mm -hmm. I think for a while in general, as a theater maker, you know, there's a lot of things I've been able to do in like the eight years I've been out of school that I've been proud of. But the way we've been able to stand with artists and the amount of people we've been able to lift up is something I'll never come down from. I think it's, I think it's so amazing and I'm so proud. That's incredible that, I mean, that you've got to work with so many people, especially during a time when there's, there's not a lot of live theater happening except virtually. Uh, It's incredible that you've gotten to work with so many people and foster their dreams and, and help them move forward with their projects and, I think that's just incredible. And I think it's great for everyone to hear that there are still companies out there like New York Theatre Barn that can help foster your your ideas when when you are sitting there wondering, where am I going to, where can my work be? 
And development is still happening. We've had probably a handful of broadcasts now where the shows have been picked up after because of our conversation. Thing, things are not frozen completely. Yeah. yeah. And like I said before, limitation is creation. You know, the pandemic, you know, those those scary connected us to so many writers who may not have been available or, you know, one week we had, um, we had Benjamin Velez, the composer of Borderline, a new musical about a woman with borderline personality disorder. And Benjamin is currently living in uh, Germany. Germany. So, yeah. you know, he wouldn't have been able to part the show wouldn't have been able to be in the series if this pandemic hadn't happened. And also because of it, we found that so many writers have stepped up to, introduce us to so many of their colleagues who, who they're excited about. So we've been fortunate enough. Oh, and, and in a lot of cases have reached out and we're like, oh, they're already programmed for the next three months in our series. <laughs> and I think what's so special about our community is we want to lift each other up and we wanted to do that before this pandemic, but even more now, you know, the fact that we're getting so many reach outs from one writer to another, and then that writer will be on, you know, watching the broadcast and on the comment section. I just think it's such a love fest and it's such, you don't see that anywhere else. You don't see that in Hollywood the same way you don't see that anywhere. I agree. There is something very special about the theater community and we're always, I feel like we're always there for each other and, and supporting each other and pushing each other. Um, well, that's actually everything I had for the legacy section. So let's do some rapid fire questions. Um, let's start with favorite TV show. Oh God, The Crown is my obsession. I just finished it and now I have to wait till 2022 for it to be back and I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV, but my favorite TV show is The View. Oh, Whoa. I've never gotten that before. I love it. <laughs> very, very niche. Uh, favorite mu musical? Falsettos. I knew you were going to say that. Um, Spring Awakening is like the show that defined me as a teenager. And I think non-new musically, Merely We Roll Along is one of my favorite shows. Mm, yes. Favorite play? Ooh. I think Angels in America. The Heidi Chronicles. Is it obvious that Jen Tepper mentors me? Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Mine actually might have to be a tie between The Crucible and Angels in America. Oh, wow. You like those heavy, heavy, <laughs> lamely plays. I love it. I love it. <laughs> favorite, uh, favorite cereal? I'm pretty boring. I like Cheerios. Mm. Frosted Flakes. I'm very boring as well. Oh, yes. I yeah. love it. They're great. <laughs> Favorite game show? Ooh, Jeopardy. Ooh, Supermarket Sweep. I've been yes. on it since I was like a wee tween. And now that it's back with Leslie Jones, my mother and I are on a mission again to be on it together. I love it. I want to get on that show as well. Because the next time you're at the supermarket and you hear that beep... Think of the fun you could have on well, supermarket. I have a photographic scene. memory, so I like memorize aisles. Like my target across the street from me, like I know where every aisle is. Like, oh my I god, you would do so well on that. Yeah, show. I love it. Uh, favorite board game? Uh, the game of life. It's in my apartment right now. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's fun, and you could have like six kids. You could be married to whoever you want to be married to. You could do whatever you want. I think I I love that game. I'm not really a board game person, but I played Shoots and Ladders as a kid a lot, and uh -huh. I recently played Monopoly. Oh, I love Monopoly. Monopoly sucks. It's so hard. 
<laughs> oh, it's my favorite. I I don't know what it is about it, but I just I loved it. I played it. That's the only game I wanted to play as a kid. I also used to love Sorry. Sorry is the one with the oh, um, oh. With, I love Sorry when they, when they have the dice inside that like that like yes. circular thing. Yes. Oh, also. Oh, guess that's who? trouble. That's trouble. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Guess who is great, and they just redesigned it to be more diverse for current times. I just got it for my four-year-old nephew, and he's, like, obsessed. Oh, I loved Guess Who growing up. That was fun, too. Now, I don't know that I'd be as good at it now because my memory is not what it used to be. But when I was a kid, I was very good at remembering. But now, clearly, I have I have memory issues. But, um, well, that's neither here nor there. But, um, anyway, <laughs> uh, favorite go-to karaoke song Ooh. oh i know my answer to this to you i like the cure by lady gaga mm. so my answer is very niche anything hannah montana <laughs> is, and i got no but i got shamed for it i like went karaoke with my birthright group when i got back from israel and i was like i'm gonna sing hannah montana they're like you shouldn't do that. I don't think it'll go well. Because none of them none of them were in theater and they didn't get it. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you did it anyway. Yeah, I sang um some Miley Cyrus song. It was great. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I picked Miley over Hannah because I was like, I'm gonna do something, but you think I'm gonna be embarrassing, I won't do straight Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. Oh my god. <laughs> no, never, never. Uh, and lastly, your go-to emoji when texting. Um, this one. Oh, this one? Anyone will know the answer is that is friends with me. This one, the sassy girl. And I do this in like my real life now, too. <laughs> Joe I knows this. I love that. Yeah. And I love the thinking one that you did, Joe, with yeah. the pointing to the pointing chin. To the yes. Chin, yeah. hmm. Hmm. Yes. That's the one I call it. <laughs> well, that's all the rapid fire questions. Ugh, we are unfortunately out of time for today. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with New York Theatre Barn's Artistic Director Joe Barrows and Associate Artistic Director Jen Sandler. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him, had him, live for the business of show. CallMeAdam.com Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite, swag. 